Making a recipe that calls for butter? Make it better with European butter from France. With a minimum of 82% butter fat, it's no wonder French butter is the number one choice for chefs the world over. Whether you're whipping up an omelet, sauteing vegetables, or spreading it on toast, the rich, cultured flavor of butter from France always elevates. Be sure to look for Made in France on the label, and for recipes, tips, and tricks, go to tasteeurope.com. I like buying things from stores that feel like you're getting a souvenir from like a specific block or a specific neighborhood, you know, like that kind of feeling that maybe they don't have a website or they don't have an Instagram. I don't know what that is. It's probably like a contrarian bias. This is Taste. I'm your host, Matt Rodbard. Emily Sumberg has a knack for writing stories that get people talking. The freelance writer and mind behind the business newsletter Feed Me has an expert eye for trends in the food space and beyond, like the return of whole milk and the rise of the shoppy shop. You know, those cute curated grocery stores that all seem to carry the same made-for-Instagram products. We wanted to have Emily back into the studio to talk about the year in food and drink retail, the products, the trends, and all the media that flows around it. Emily is truly one of our favorite voices on the food internet, and really online in general, and we were so excited to have her back into the studio. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Emily Sumberg, welcome to This Is Taste. Hello. Hello. I'm so happy to be here for a second time. Yeah, you talked to Eliza first. I've never met you, but I've read you. It's so cool to meet you. I know. I, I feel like I know you. We have a really good email correspondence Absolutely. Going. Yeah. And we have a lot to cover. Feed Me is your newsletter. It's a sub stack. You can sub. Please click that link and read. It's dope. <laughs> hey, let's just get, just for our listeners, what, what are you trying to do here at the sub stack? Um, so I started this newsletter about a year ago, a little bit over a year ago. And at the time I had a lot of group texts where I was talking about talking to friends who were either founders or invested in brands or just had a lot of interest in consumer business news. Yeah. And I noticed that even the way that a lot of place like media outlets were talking about business, they were treating celebrities as founders as they talked about their tequila brands or beauty <laughs> brands. And then they were kind of talking about founders as celebrities, so whether it was Emily Weiss or the Sweet Green guys or whoever, and I, I saw this um, merging of pop culture and celebrity news and the yeah. way that business was was being approached. Um, and I also think that there's like this community of people that want to talk about about this stuff, but it's not necessarily the way that. Um, you know, like stuffy Wall Street Journal is mm. is reporting on on different funds or investment firms. Um, and people want to sort of like get into the personalities of these places. And you kind of see how like Business Insider has owned this whole narrative of turning all of these uh, capitalist movers and shakers into like bigger than celebs, life celebrities yeah. or just characters. Oh yeah, great word. It's much better than celebs because they we don't really um we don't like them, but they're characters in our lives. They're not like we don't want to be them, but they're characters. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And 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 then you know, aside from these characters, I I just generally think that people's spending habits and investment trends say a lot about 
society and culture at large. So I wanted to sort of play with that narrative a bit. Um, And I started the letter. And then about a month later, I wrote um, a piece for New York Magazine that really exploded about shoppy shops. So I, I immediately got a lot of new readers from uh, the tech world and the CPG world and just general New York magazine readers. And that sort of like set the fire to this thing. Yeah. Yeah. That piece was, you published it in January 25th, 2023, Shoppy Shop. It's now Lexicon. It's It could have been probably, it probably is on the podium for word of the year. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, or, or term of the year. I was well, really... I didn't come up with it. Uh, my friend Neil did, who, who, graciously let me uh, use it in in the title. And I want to make sure that he gets the credit there because he really started this whole trend of talking about these types of retail environments on his TikTok page. Um, But it was like this perfect story where I didn't really have a take on these businesses. So so some people thought I was applauding these businesses. Some people thought I was slamming them. And it really just depended on the amount of exposure you'd had to them, the amount of humor you had, and and the way that you read the story. Like, I agree, and I feel feel like a lot of the brands, like I love Fish Wife. I mean, you write about that brand. I personally enjoy that brand, and many people do. You weren't really casting judgment, but you did write about you were deflated a little bit by the sameness. Yeah, I would say that like tends to be slightly negative. Yeah, uh, I, I think there's definitely. Um, like a a homogeneity to these retail setups. Like you don't want your wine store to look like your bakery, to look like your bookstore, to look like your hotel lobby. Like you want spaces to mean something more than just capitalizing on themselves. Like your wine store isn't putting Graza olive oil on their shelves because they think that you want olive oil. It's like to increase their AOV, right? Like they just want to make some money. Um. And I also think like curation is a skill that a lot of these retail businesses haven't really um, perfected. Like you can't just go on th- this specific wholesale site that I wrote about Fair, Fair, yeah, which is a massive like multi-billion dollar valued business. Um, you can't just go on there and see top sellers and put them in your business in the middle of somewhere and call that having taste, right? <laughs> it's just – it might be a good business decision. You might move stuff because people are tip- were typically buying some of these CPG brands off of Instagram or off their phone. But um, yeah, so I was feeling deflated. But I, a year later, they're almost invisible. Like it, it used to stand out to me so much when I saw these brands like, wow, these are everywhere. And now it's like I don't even see it. It's it, They just sort of blend in. They blend the into more of the mass and more of the mean and graduate, you know, moving towards the mean. And um, fair is interesting. And it, it seems like a really poor business model to like rely on the top 10 products on fair. Have you found that? That's true. Like, do you, meaning do do consumers in general can they see the shoppy shop the way you wrote about it and just like feel a little turned off? I by think that? some people do. Like you and I, we spend many hours of our day immersed mm-hmm. in this world of CPG. Whether it's reading Andrea's tweets, Andrea from Snackshot, who's been on this podcast, right? Yeah, a couple times. She's really smart, but like we we see her stuff every day and we know what she's talking about, and none of it is really eye opening to me. It's like I'm grateful that she's putting language to what I'm seeing, but it's not like I'm necessarily 
learning. I get a lot of breaking news from her, actually. I think she's on some sick PR wires. But, like, Mm -hmm. I'm immersed in her world. She's immersed in mine. Like, we share a lot of beliefs. But, like, my father or some of my friends who are doctors or lawyers or, like, aren't touching this world at all, they might want a Graza Christmas ornament. Like, that (laughs) might speak to them. That doesn't speak to me. Like, I don't need that. Um, But for some people, they might see that as, like, a very special addition to their kitchen and almost like a signaler of being culturally aware where it's some of these brands are memes to me now. Yeah. I think it's also uh, to your point of, of folks who are not in the biz, they, 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 they're great gifts. Like it's, they're like, they're like affordable luxuries. Some mm-hmm. of these products that we talk about and like, we're always looking to gift. Yeah. It, it, a year ago around like this time I was sitting in Balthazar with my mom having lunch and there was an office having a secret Santa next to us and two people gave each other Graza olive oil. And it was while I was still working on the shoppy shop (laughs) story. And I was like, what, what's going on? Like if 10 years ago, I gave somebody a bottle of olive oil. One, we were like pre BA cooking home cook world. People would be like, why are you giving me a grocery? But two, like it wasn't it wasn't like a signaler of anything. It was just like something that your grandma has and your dad has and your daughter has and your aunt has. Like, it's just like a normal thing. Um, but but food and fashion have blended in the same way that like celebrity and business has. Yeah. And like we are, it's, it's all a story about a homogenous environment of capitalism, right? Yeah. Like everything's just Ooh. blending. Let's unpack that at some point. Maybe not now, but I yeah, love, I love that. Want, Emily, I want. love that line. Uh, but let's actually... Uh, talk about the year of CPG. And, you know, Andrea has been on the show a few times. Dan Fromer is going to be on the show soon again to talk about this world. Do you have a sense, uh, is there a food brand or brands that kind of won 2023? I mean, okay, so Graza did a great job. They like, they, every brand I consult for is like, how how do we become Graza? And I know Kendall who runs their social channels, like they... They have done a really good job at a lot of things, but then they also hit some really big speed bumps with like their founders getting Andrew involved. stepped in it for sure. Andrew's been the show. I, I, I text with Andrew quite a bit. Yeah. He stepped in it for sure. Yeah. I mean, one of them was tweeting at me saying like, you just don't get it. And I was like, what? Like, okay, like, don't do that. Like, no. you're just, you know, so things like that. I feel lessons were learned. In the grass HQ, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but other brands I really like. I think. Um, do you know the wine brand Ami Ami? Yeah, definitely. I think they're really cool. I think like they Absolutely. hopped onto this boxed wine thing really well. I was actually at a friend's house for dinner the other night, and he had a boxed olive oil, and I was like, okay, there's, we might see more box packaging next year, which is exciting. Like from a shipping standpoint, it's less weight. I think it you know, breaks down better in people's kitchens. It's just also like a really fun packaging opportunity. Um, I think that uh, Big Dairy has been doing a good job. I've seen like a lot of hot blonde influencers (laughs) promoting um, doing stuff for like the American Association of Dairy. So they're, and I wrote a story about whole milk a few years ago for New York Magazine, which also touched a lot of nerves. I see milk in a lot of marketing right now. Like I saw Haley Bieber's lip gloss brand last night post um a like a photo of milk with their like milky glazy moisturizing hmm. product. So I think people have caught on that milk has a lot of emotions attached mm-hmm. to it. And now 
the Dairy Association is like catching up to that. I would say too that the Wisconsin Cheese Board has done a really nice job as well, like as a kind of adjacent industry in marketing um, domestic cheese and Vermont totally. as well. It's pretty cool to yeah, see. Yeah, Vermont does a great job. I follow some of their um, some of the people in I guess like in that work in agriculture for the state, mm-hmm. and they they do a great job of talking about their farmers. Um, I think Rose Los Angeles, the edible yeah. brand, has done some really smart partnerships. The other day, I actually said that Sweetgreen should be looking at some of the people that they <laughs> partner with because yeah. they make a lot of sense in the culinary world. And also, have you noticed that there's persimmons on every um, – at every bodega now? Like, I think Big Persimmon has done yeah. a really good job at, like, <laughs> ev- like bringing that fruit to, to like, every bodega it's in New amazing. York City this year. <clears throat> I mean, it's, it's like, a November through February fruit. And, you know, catching the season as you would an apple season or even citrus in January – for persimmon to make a move, um, you know, typically like an East Asian product. Um, or California. Like yeah. all the California farmers markets have them in the winter. Totally and it was agree. always a treat when I was in L.A. in the winter to get them. But now they're at every single bodega in the city. And I kind of like that. Emily, what do you think about like sumo mandarin? Do you, do you follow the sumo mandarin? No. So sumos have had about two years of real robust marketing campaigns. Are they the really sweet ones? Oh, I mean, so they look like they're like look like um, you know, they're like kind of have a little like knob at the top and they're okay. they're very big and yeah. and sweet's not the word I would they use. They like segment really well. They segment extremely well. Yeah. The mouthfeel is extremely good. Apologize uh, listener for using that word. <laughs> and um they are extremely balanced when you catch the ripe one. Okay. Um, I think I remember some friends having those in the office at one time and then being like the hot item. Yeah, it's funny when that happens with produce. Like I was at a Christmas party over the weekend and they brought out the oishi strawberries yeah. and how how like fruit can become a hype item, but it happens. It absolutely does. I feel like apples need to, to you know, William Mullen, you know, great, great dude. He's uh, the best. Been on the show and, you know, has done great work with with apples. And I feel, yeah. I just love, I mean, especially being New York State, uh, amazing apples. Okay, on the flip side, so we talked about some brands that are working. You know, let's just be real. Are there some CPG brands that maybe stumbled a little bit in 2023? I, I just don't like brands that aren't solving a problem. I don't like redundancy. I don't like creating a brand for the sake of creating a brand and hiring people and then having to lay them off because it was just like a poor fundraising and business decision. Um, I mean, obviously, Daily Harvest, that was a big fumble. Mm-hmm. Um, that was pretty awful. Shitty like, situation, huh? Yeah, not not great. <laughs> not great. Um uh, like any of these brands that are getting their founders like way too involved, like I hate that. I think that they're you. You need to put down the mic if you're going to run a business and run your business. You don't need to do PR. Um, in reference to the Graza situation that we were just talking about. Yeah, when the founder becomes the story and not the product, it obviously is problematic. And I think um, they so can, risky. You can steal a couple headlines in 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 certain business pubs or maybe get on a podcast, but ultimately. Products should be dope and they should be focusing on that. Yeah. Um, I'm getting pretty fatigued by energy drinks and like canned coffee and alt milks. Like, yeah, I, I think we're like we've missed we've missed the point on those. Um, none of those are solving problems. It's just people being like, I can do it, too, with nicer <laughs> packaging. Did Celsius just destroy the energy drink category? I drink so much Celsius. I know. And it, they it, did. it's a good product for sure. I drink Red Bull too. Sure. I'm not, I mean, I'm, I love uh, Celsius is good. I don't drink a lot of it, but it, it's a good product. But like, 
if you're doing boutique Celsius, you're kind of fucked, right? Totally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. But Prime seems to be doing well too. Oh yeah, like, Prime. Forget about that one. And also that Panera energy drink. Like I hope it doesn't leave shelves before I try it. But I do kind of feel like I'd be somebody who would die from it. Yo, there's a Panera like literally across the street from I'm gonna office. Go. It's right. And and I've thought so many times I'm gonna go get that like triple caffeine lemonade. Do you think it's still there? Do you think it's like an end of the month they have to discontinue a thing? So interesting you ask. It seems that they were very adamant that they were not removing it from shelves. Okay, I'm going to go after this. Try and like, yeah, hit me on the text with that because I want to know if it's there. Because listen, like what a great opportunity for them to like not take it out of their phone. Yeah. (laughs) The the fact that guy died, which is really sad and and terrible news. that Somebody died from drinking this, but he drank like six servings. Right, right. I mean, yo. Like, Which, yeah, yeah, that's going to happen. It's going to um, happen, yeah. I guess I'm, like, not really a snack person, so some of these, you know. Stop I just, it. I know, I know. Wait, really? Yeah. Are you in intermittent fasting hive? No way. Good, okay. No, I I really like brands that were started, like, before 20, like, 2005. <laughs> like, I drink a lot of Coke. I yep. like, you know, Cliff Bars, like, <laughs> <laughs> vending machine snacks but new oh my stuff, i'm kind of a s- skeptic we're dropping a story on new year's day about vending machines just just as a tease to you listeners out there cool. i love a good vending machine well let's segue a- away from the products and towards retail and i've asked this to andrea hernandez from snackshot ellie truesdale from new for adventures and many others on the show um but what like indie food retail or even big box food retail excites you Emily. What do you categorize as indie food retail? So I would say Foxtrot Never and lower been. would be considered indie. So like under 10 stores. Okay. I'm saying it could be like Okay, you store. know what? I went into that store Happier Grocer the other day. Nice. And I went to this resort in Grand Cayman recently called Palm Heights. Same owner. Oh, wow. Cool. Did you know that? Um, I followed your Palm Heights coverage. Great. Great shit. Super fun. If yeah. you guys want to blow a ton of cash on yeah. a resort, yeah. it was worth it. Yeah, it was um, good. It's why your letter is nice because it, it definitely breaks away and you do like little micro themes. And yeah. Um, so they're they're behind Happy Grocer. Happier Grocer. Happier Grocer. Yeah, on, I know the name. So it's on Canal. It's on the west side of Canal. And it they have, I would say, everything they carry is in Erewhon. It is like the closest thing to Erewhon that I've been to in the city. And I walked in ready to hate it and i really <laughs> liked it yeah i don't know if i can go back because it's just like it was so i i think i need to wait a little bit because it was so shocking that that existed right there um like right by the one two stop on mm-hmm. canal so then i went i went to palm heights and after i went to palm heights i was like who the hell is behind this group and the more i researched it it was this it's this parent company like a holdings company called happier people and they have palm heights which is the resort in the grand cayman they have happier grocer which Which is is, a one-off which is a one-off so far and then they're opening they like bought a skyscraper in fideye that they're trying to get some cool businesses to get into for low rent and also create a co-working space and then they also have like a restaurant event space in bushwick I mean, the, the the chess pieces are on the board for this company. Very fascinating. Yeah, the yeah. chess pieces are on the board, and it's really hard to figure out who's actually feeding the money into it. But if anybody wants to find that out, I mean, many people have tried. So Yeah, it's it's cool um, when you talk about these kind of these, these businesses that kind of like they see the opportunity in grocery and they, they invest these, these, these companies. Totally. Um, 
So yeah, I don't do Foxtrot. I don't do like a lot. I don't, I don't, I get like a bad feeling about a lot of those. I yeah. know that some of those are friends of the pod, but I just. No, it's, it's not. It's all good. Man. Um, we we have really, friends, but you know, we don't have that many paid sponsors. So yeah. We're, we're yeah. Good. That's true. But when you do, you can just edit this one. Um, <laughs> I live in South Slope, Brooklyn. So I really like this place called Posto Italiano, which ha- is like a really cute Italian market. I also like Russo's, which is a really yeah. great Italian market. There's a Mexican deli near me called Reyes, and mm-hmm. um, they have a lot of like house-made hot sauces that I really like. Um, I yeah, like I, I like I like buying things from stores that feel like you're getting a souvenir from like a specific block or a specific neighborhood. You know, like that kind of feeling that maybe they don't have a website or they don't have an Instagram. I don't know what that is. It's probably like a contrarian. It's probably like a contrarian um, bias or something. It's not contrarian. I, I like that you are thinking hyperlocal and you're not thinking about brands. One that comes to mind that I went to recently that I like is Big Night. Oh, yeah. Do you get itchy with Big Night? Well, I like Big Night, but I don't know if they like me after the Shoppy Shop story. I know, but listen, you were doing journalism. You know, sometimes you're not going to make friends. But like, listen, I liked it. I bought a few things merchandise extremely well for like a very awkward side like shaped store my friend edith actually just made these really beautiful postcards for them yesterday that she posted and and they're like illustrated in this really nostalgic um sort of like eloise at the plaza way which (laughs) i thought was a really smart partnership because it's a little bit more sophisticated less like playful i think my problem with some of these stores is when they use words that sound like really childish like Hmm. Like, like munchies? Like or munchies mu- or like bevy yeah, or bevy. like wine all day. Like oh I don't gosh. I just think that we as like New Yorkers have more language for a lot of these things. And I just urge all businesses to get a little bit more Yeah. Co- I'm so sensitive to copy. Yeah. And I just think that they sh- everybody should be speaking or thinking more highly of the people reading their captions and um, shopping their brands, just like thinking higher of people. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think everything needs to be so easy and roll off the tongue. I love that sentiment so much. I think that we we're just like it's almost like degrading to like speak down to consumers. It doesn't have to be a coastal thing. It could be your sh- your store in Madison, Wisconsin. Like people in Madison, Wisconsin are like sophisticated people. Don't need to yeah. say it's not like wine mom yeah. merch doesn't have to be your you know your, your at the at the at the counter. Yeah, I saw something this weekend and it's I'm 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 dissecting it. I I put it in my newsletter this morning, but the this olive oil brand Brightland had an ad for the holidays and it's like pop bottles of olive oil and I get what they're doing it's like popping bottles of champagne but I I just feel like if I was going to take out a full page ad in in the times in the LA times and the New York times and spend quarter of a million yeah a quarter of a million or more I would probably spend some of that on like hiring a really great illustrator and maybe make something that people might even want to like frame like make a beautiful map or a diagram or something that people could have in their kitchen forever and like extend the use of it instead of pop bottles. Yeah, no, it's cool. <laughs> and, and you're not picking on uh, Brightland at all. And, and that's why I love your letter. I Just, love Brightland. It, no, I think that they do a great, great job. Great product. They also have a really great product. It's I, I'm more like curious if that had a return for them. And if it did, yeah, like maybe that's something that brands should be doing instead of like, the top of Uber advertising. I mean, they're going like for that. mass when you when you get into the pages of the Times. 
and the LA Times, you're going for, you know, wide. You're going for mass. Though, of course, a, a certain demographic. People yeah. who buy print. Correct. You know, the weekend edition of a print publication. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's talk about, like, big box retail. In terms of food, we're talking grocery stores. Is yeah. There, is there a big box retailer that's interesting to you that you've been in recently? I, so, we live in, I live in new york it's not really a big box town no you know it's but like travel it's like a it's like a truncated target where you get in and then you're already out you know <laughs> right. like why it's very small um i don't think there's a walmart in the city maybe in one of the other boroughs um i like target i think that they're doing a lot of great stuff with with cpg brands i think that they have some really cool incubators i know andrea was on one of the panels for them once yeah um and, you know, I just saw that Gia got into Target. Like, they are definitely investing in smaller brands and trying to get them to the masses. I have not been into a Walmart in forever. Well, let me tell you, Emily. I have. Okay, and how's that? So, and listeners, you may, this may be redundant, but I'm going to say it again. I was talking to Ben Van Leeuwen and, and another founder uh, who will re- remain unnamed. And apparently Walmart pays really well in terms of like the way they operate and the way they treat baby brands. Yeah. So that's a good thing. I also like the way they merchandise baby brands. Yeah. I think it's really smart the way they do end caps with baby brands. It's not as smart as Target. I agree with you. Target is definitely the leader in CPG food mm-hmm. for me, at least in the big box world. But I and Albertsons is really nice too. I've, I've been to a couple of Albertsons and seen some cool things. But man, Walmart is good. And like to get some of these brands into like the ultimate, the, the masses is cool. I also think Walmart is known in the big box world for running a tighter ship and Target's like a little bit messy. Like mm-hmm. things are out of stock for a while. Things can be like broken and and it'll slide for a little bit longer. But I follow a few people that specifically study big box and they're often taking photos of these places like what are you doing or like walmart's keeping this stuff super organized yeah um i'm glad you mentioned end caps though because i think a lot of brands just think they they can like throw their their dumb copy and like (laughs) a qr code on the on the end cap and it's actually a really cool opportunity to uh extend people's interaction with your brand and i notice a lot of brands in sephora doing this well and i think sephora also urges their brands to make the most out of their little like two square foot setup on the shelf but i'm excited to see more um cpg brands like play around with that yeah it's cool and and as an aside you just mentioned sephora your letter talks heavily uh, in the beauty world fragrance world so if you're into that stuff which is not our show you should definitely check out your letter for that too Okay, this is the media section of the of the conversation because okay. you really are a, a keen observer of media, having worked at New York Magazine, um, having done both sides of the coin, really, leaving brand and editorial. Um, I'm going to ask you, isn't there just this huge opportunity? We just like talked the last like 30 minutes about CPG. We talk about Andrea a lot. Shouldn't like there be a big, cool like product, food product, like media company? I don't know if anybody should be starting a media company right now with all <laughs> these layoffs. Like, <laughs> I, I think that people like Andrea or even Dan, who you said is coming in, yeah. and um, like CPG Wire have a lot of opportunities to showcase the voices. Bevnet does a good job too. Yeah, yeah. That Bevnet does a great job of of showcasing these people and and having them interviewed. And you guys do it too, right? But I don't know if I want to open something every day that has just like food and packaging, niche news and drama. Like there's also PR Newswire for that kind of stuff. 
Um, and I, I would probably urge people not to like raise money for something that <laughs> already exists in such a great form. Yeah. Um, I, I think like there are snack podcasts that could probably be built out or like YouTubers, like, you know, lower investment media formats, but I wouldn't urge somebody to like, what was the one oh, so, like, uh, there was like the like that breakfast startup oh yeah back in the day of course um right uh i mean we don't remember it and then there's like like eliza's doing something really cool with her cake scene right like she's doing something fun it's a smaller media project it's getting a lot of different perspectives in there but i don't think like she would wisely take like raise a series a and expect to be able to pay back investors and i think that that's what happens a lot like Again, my group texts, I'm friends with people who work in this space or did work in this space or have moved on to working for tech companies that manage a lot of brands in this space. Um, and we tumble over this probably every few months. We're like, hey, what what would it look like if this brand started to do a lot more of this? Like if if Grub Street launched a snack newsletter, that would probably be smart. See, that's what I'm saying. And I think just to respond to a couple of things. First, I'm like, when I said big, I, I probably should have meant like two person. Yeah. And and but like I think there's just a huge opportunity because we talk so much about snacking, their affordable luxuries, CPG is cool. It's just like a new thinking. You said exactly maybe there's more a way to do a podcast network around it. Maybe it's Grub Street as a snacks newsletter. I like that. And then in terms of like launching, yeah, like media is like low margin. It's mm-hmm. it's like you can't put VC, Series A stuff, uh, you know, money behind media. That's like the, like, we've been doing it long enough. It just fails every time. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really hard business. And um, I think that when you start relying on, like, a copy editor, a web builder, like a producer, it's getting expensive. So I think the ideal people to do it are the ones that have taught themselves how to build their own little world around themselves, like some of the people that we've mentioned already, and have them keep doing what they're doing and keep reading them and hope that the that the big guys that already have audiences are maybe hiring them to to work on something. Next question. Yeah. What's happening at BA? You're an observer of Condé Nast. You you definitely know people. What's your assessment of the next 12 months at BA? Bonapetit? I have a hot take. I think that when people are asking about what's happening at BA and the future of that magazine, they're actually asking what happened to Adam Rappaport. I think that they really want to know how all of the test kitchen stars are doing what they're doing, what they think about what happened. I don't, I don't think people are really hoping that the current BA wins. Um, I think that the traffic numbers at the current Bon Appetit are probably upsetting, as are a lot of the Condé Nast brands, Vogue, um, Vanity Fair. I think GQ is winning. I think they're doing a really good job. Um, they've hired a lot of great columnists, and they have some some really timely newsletters around watch brands or different cultural conversations, but I think that running a magazine is really difficult and you need a very specific point of view on culture. And if you don't have that, um, there's just too many other options. You can watch Pierce Abernathy on Reels. You can read a bunch of people's cooking newsletters. You can, you know, watch Allison Roman and Molly on YouTube. There are just so many other ways to spend your time and your tabs on your computer. Um, and I don't think Bon Appetit is choosing to, to, to do that. I, I think like that's the answer. I, in, I, in a year, I wouldn't be surprised if they're in the same place they are now, which is like a big question mark. Yeah. 
it's 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 really an interesting take and and you know what Jamila Robinson's going to do there in the next 12 months will be interesting and we'll be watching you know I think ultimately um, we want all media to succeed in some way we, we're all part of this ecosystem maybe not all media <laughs> yeah <laughs> but like a lot of media of course BA too I want them to do well but it is so challenging you mentioned the segmentation and just how everything um, you know, there's, there's great grams, there's great TikToks, there's, you know, of course, newsletters, um, in the food space. So to have another big brand out there is maybe not needed right now. Yeah. It's all, it also, you couldn't recreate what they had, right? Like they built all these personalities in house where if you were, you wanted to do the same thing today, you would be hiring people who have ridiculous rates and expectations and are making more money straight from, craft than doing a video presented <laughs> by craft for Condé Nast Entertainment. So well said. Are you following the Blackbird story? Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, I know a lot about Blackbird. Um, I haven't used the product yet. I'm very curious. You know, they raised a lot of money from Andreessen, which is one of uh, probably like the the cleanest investments that you could get. Like they're so big. So they had some faith in this product. Um, well, let's be clear. They had faith in Ben Leventhal. They have faith in Ben Leventhal. I mean, it's his, it's his thing. And, and yeah. his track record is pretty, pretty good. So Yeah, I think they have faith in Ben Leventhal, and they probably have faith in the amount of data this product can garner over the next year or so and maybe package it up nicely and sell it to like an American Express or a Visa or another card that isn't really doing this sort of um, – spending research on their own, but would love to tap into like the benefits of a restaurant points product. Yeah. I think that's the idea there. Like sell it to a card. Clearly it's going to be a financial services company that acquires it or it is a strategic investment in the next like, you know, 18 months. I have used it. I was at Soupside slash Upside earlier this week. and Big fan. Yeah, it's cool. Noam is going to be on the show and, and we're going to talk about Upside in our pizza week. Oh, whoa, I just broke news. We're going to have a pizza week in January. Hey. Hey, you got, you got, you got this far in the pod. Get ready. It's going to be great. We're going to have five interviews in, in five days. But I did it and I got like, I like tapped in literally into some like brick of wood that was like the QR it was I don't know whatever and then I got like 2,000 of some currency and I don't know what I can do with it I, I really Emily don't really know Blackbird the still. crypto startups are confusing you know there's Blackbird Tiny built TYB yeah. I think that there's a lot of people trying to own the um customer loyalty built on blockchain thing I hope more of them move away from using the, that terminology because I think that it there's just like a natural deterrence to it um yeah and yeah, you get a lot of information about your customers, which is super valuable. You can see how people are using it. I think that they just need a lot more people to download. It's an app. It is an app and um, it is loyalty. And, and Ben was on the show about three months ago. I'll link to the show notes. And he talks a little bit about the importance of loyalty and how this this product... And he was kind of vague about it because I think he's still kind of figuring it out. Mm -hmm. But yeah, get in, get in touch with your customer that goes beyond like the newsletter of a restaurant. Yeah, I mean, kind of if, the way, yeah. if they can transcend being like this startup that some people have to tap in when they see that that device at at checkout or whatever, and they can somehow get to the other side of people waiting forever to get a resi note, like a resi notification to go to their favorite restaurant and are able to gamify that experience of like truly rewarding people who love X restaurant, that'd be great. I just don't know how far away they are from yeah. getting that level. Well, Upside does the one ninety nine a year slice club. You get a slice a day 
plus you know merch drops and, and events. I mean, my my thought is like, what if there's a monthly event at a at a restaurant in your neighborhood? Totally. You know, and you get to go to it, or it's like a, a five to seven mixer, and they have like a cool like a speaker series. I don't know something yeah. like interesting. And they're clearly investing in their editorial. They've had some really fun people. Oh yeah. Um, like. Goots, who runs Byline, the magazine, mm-hmm. and they had Adam Faze, who's really fun. Like, they're getting some fun, young faces. I'm just curious yeah. if, like, those people are actually using it once they walk away nice, from the interview. Nice call on the editorial. I do really like their young editor there, and, and I do read Blackbird's editorial. It's good. So their, their list of, like, the movers in the industry was really, really solid. Yeah. Speaking of restaurants, like, what's good for you in New York right now? What's good for me? I really like burgers. I go to Red Hook Tavern a lot. I don't yeah. live that far from it. Um, I like JG Mellon. I like Minetta. I like Smash Burgers. Damn, like, Burger I like, Hive. You're in the scene. Yeah, I, I like like, but like, I'll eat McDonald's or Shake Shack. Like, I just really like burgers. Um, I take a class on Wednesdays in Chelsea, so I go to this place, Mimo on 23rd yeah and it's like falafel and euro and and lentil soup and stuff and i go there every wednesday before class and i really like it there and then i live on the have you been to psycho oh no and um it's on the list i i really want to check it out okay so psycho is this new syrian korean place in park slope and it's one block from me so i end up going there a ton um, yeah, Tam Lee technically Marion wrote a great piece about it, and I still haven't been. I, it's I feel, so tasty, and yeah. it's like when something's on your block like that, you end up going a lot. Absolutely, I love that you pronounce it Euro, not Gyro, even though you're from Long Island. Oh yeah, like yeah. you just like know the right pronunciation. Right? I mean, I'm from Long Island, but like I went to school in the city long enough, and I <laughs> lived in the so- city long enough that I have friends who have corrected me and been terrified. Um, what but else? you, but your instinct is to move towards Gyro, right? Because no. of your heritage. No, I feel like I've been so corrected. <laughs> I feel like I've been so overcorrected. Um, okay, burger burger question. Yeah. Have you been to Hamburger America? Not yet. Yeah, it's really good. Okay, I will definitely go Check there. Check it. Um, I will definitely go there. At this time of year, I really like going to Midtown. So I like Monkey Bar. I like um, like uh, the Carlisle. I like yeah. sort of. And I know that that's sort of a cheat of like buying your way into feeling like a New Yorker by getting like a really fancy martini and being around a bunch of old guys with like really old Rolexes. But I like it. I think it's fun to see like big Christmas wreaths and lights and trees and yeah. Midtown gets such a bad rap. No, it doesn't. It's amazing. We, I had Chris Black on recently. We talked about Michael's for like 10 minutes. What a great oh, restaurant. Yeah, Michael's classic. So yeah. good. Did you go to Michael's as a child? No. As a as a as a young adult? No. Or a young adult still. As a you just I don't think go? I only went once for like a business meeting. It's the best though. Yeah, yeah. And it's beautiful. Like I think that Chris good. took a photo of some of the chairs that looked really mm-hmm. fancy and comfortable. Yeah, it's a it's a good spot. I think Midtown is super underrated, especially for coffee. There's great coffee in Midtown. Yeah. Great coffee. Really good coffee spot. Okay. One more spot you like right now in New York. Uh, oh, you know what I did yesterday? Did you ever go to Taste of Persia when it was open? Yes, I did. Absolutely. Okay, so yeah. I actually got... Like in the back of the... In, like, ba- in the back of the pizza place. Yeah, pizza yeah. place. So there was, a, there was a pizza place on 18th Street that I think is still there, but in the back of it, side of it, there was this Iranian man named Saeed who had like a little Persian restaurant pop-up. And I would always get the... The ash there, which is like this really mm-hmm. yummy, like green herb filled soup with noodles in it. And it was while I was working at Great Jones, actually, my my cookware startup. Oh, yeah. You're a shout out. Yeah. Eh, yeah. Um, and and I would go there for lunch all the time. And um, then they closed over COVID. And then 
recently I, I my friend uh, Laylee actually who's doing soup side with yeah. Noam she's Persian she was like oh my they, he does delivery once a month or twice a month so I got it over the weekend and it was excellent it was so good um it was actually the day it was raining he dropped it on my porch because I wasn't home and I got home and it was totally fine what a great package really well surprise but it was excellent and um yeah their Instagram is just like taste of Persia NYC and I don't think New York has the best Persian food, so I was really happy that he was doing that. I think LA is more of a mm-hmm. Iranian food a- 100%. town. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, and shout out to Lily too. She made some incredible gumbo. She's doing all the recipes there. So she's I'm such a hustler. Glad she's you a mentioned real bulldog. Her. Yeah, no, definitely. Emily, on this is taste. We ask guests about the discerning taste. So to close this interview, here's our little rapid fire, fast, furious taste check. Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. The best breakfast food. Um, I really like everything bagels with cream cheese. Plain? Cream cheese, yeah. 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 Everything I plain. like like equal ratio of bagel to cream cheese. I've been going to this place in my neighborhood, Terrace Bagels, and it's great. The best. It's really great. Do you scoop? No. Thank you. The best dessert? I like pudding. I was at King recently, and they had a butterscotch pudding, and it was really good. Oh, my God. Yeah. So you're talking about the American style pudding, not the British style. Yeah, American pudding. Yeah. I mean, I would eat like I would eat like uh, whatever it is, tasty something or mm-hmm. Jello brand pudding. Yeah. I, I made a huge thing of chocolate pudding with whipped cream on Thanksgiving, and it went over oh my really God. well. Yeah, the Badino, very underrated. Yeah, it was great. Your favorite American fast food chain? I like McDonald's, and I also think that what they're doing this year with their uh, sort of marketing efforts is really exciting. I'm excited to go to their new uh, spinoff franchise. Yeah, the the spinoff news has been really interesting, and I, I'm trying to catch one too. I thought the Grimace Shake was like really good. Yeah, I, I caught did one. Too. Yeah. I went this I went this summer, and I yeah. got that, and I got a burger. Yeah, and it was I was sitting alone in uh, like Herald Square, which is a really weird park, but it was great. Yeah, no, McDonald's is doing some interesting stuff, and also the art collabs have been cool. Your favorite Long Island restaurant right now? Um, okay, so in my town, Huntington, there's this place called Little Vincent's, and they serve hot pizza slices with cold shredded mozzarella on top. So I feel like I have to mention that because it's really good. There's also a restaurant in East Hampton called Nick and Tony's. And in the winter, Mm -hmm. they have a coal fire pizza oven. And I haven't gone this year yet, but I went last year because I was my I had a movie, which I'm going to plug. I was in a film festival out there and I went there twice during that, which was great. And then there's a there's a Greek place in my town called Perea. And it used to be called Mediterranean Snack Bar, but then a different family took it over, but it's the same chefs, and it's been there since the 80s. Like, my parents went when they were in high school. Um, And it's great Greek food. Oh, my God. Is that the Perea that was in Manhattan for a minute in, like, 2005? It might have been. I think think it might be. Might be. We can look into that. Yeah, look into that. So plug your movie, please. Oh, it's called The End. It's about... um, The documentary, right? It's a documentary. It's short. You guys can, like, watch it while you're brushing your teeth. It's super short. Um... It's about it's about an island off of um, East Hampton called Gardner's Island, and it's the oldest privately owned island in the U.S. And nobody goes on, nobody comes off, and there's this big house on it, and it's it's very it's really fun. It's kind of like Willy Wonka energy. So now that you've done a documentary short, you've been awarded or been in film festivals, I'd love to see it. I'm going to check it out. Uh, are, do you like doing doc film? Are you going to work on some yeah, things? Yeah, uh, yeah, I definitely want to do more. I mean, the purpose of my letter, it's one is like to have this community and to have a creative expression, but the cash flow is really nice, and I'm I making movies is really expensive and I hope that I get to do more creative projects 
2024. That's exciting. Yeah. So um, do you have like a, a pipeline of ideas? I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't wait. Yeah. This is cool that you have that in your in your kind of like resume documentary film. Yeah, it's super fun. Couple more. Your favorite cookbook of all time. Oh, I have the Sophia Loren one. Oh. I, I mentioned this the other day in my newsletter and a bunch of people emailed me like, are you joking? Like, is this a joke? Is this a bit? Because I guess on eBay, it's like a thousand dollars. Wow. But when I got it, I got it at like a thrift store and it was just there. And now I feel like that's the most valuable item I own. So tell me about this book. I, I, I'm, I'm familiar with this book. What, okay, what is... so Sophia Loren, like smoke show, bombshell, mm-hmm. Italian woman, all of the photos of her, she's like wearing these corsets and like <laughs> laying very provocatively in, in front of like tables of, of like pasta and cheese and pretty much what every woman on Instagram right now doing like the pasta Instagram photos is trying to do, <laughs> but like... Could never, like the thickest eyeliner, the biggest hair. And all the recipes are really simple. They're like half a page each. And it's like, okay, did you make these? Like, where no. did you even find these? I love it. Um, but it's a really fun book. And the 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 photos in it are just beautiful. I love it. Uh, favorite recent cookbook discovery? Mm, I haven't looked at cookbooks in so long. Yeah? Why? Yeah. I don't know. You know, David Zilber sent me his Noma one. Yeah. I went to a talk that he did oh, probably pre-COVID and I really like him. And I think that the way that they approach that is like a guidebook with diagrams. Like I, I think that you can find from this conversation that I really like when people who work in food lean into to diagrams and not just photography. It's yeah. really fun. Um, and that kind of reads more like a science book. And he's working on another book, which I'm excited about. But I don't, I don't, I think I'm kind of disillusioned by food media and cookbooks. Like I'm kind of exhausted. I uh, fair, 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 all fair. You know, yeah. I, um, I, 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 I would suggest, and I will send you some cookbooks. We've got, we make some good ones here. But yeah, but there's it, a lot out there. I love that hand on the cover of that book, by the way, that you mentioned. Yeah, it's beautiful. Great cover design. Um, yeah, you know, I think having a more measured approach to your cookbook consumption is is smart. Yeah, I love that. Last one, your favorite sandwich at Winner, they have a ham and cheese sandwich which is really excellent and it it's like a pretty good one-to-one with some of the best ones that I've had in Paris and I I live right by winter so I could I could never leave my neighborhood and probably be satisfied by the food option it's South Slope is is a great neighborhood yeah yeah you're you're lucky it's great Emily Sundberg what a joy thank you so much for joining this thank you for having me this was really fun Let's get to the business at hand. This has been such a great year for us on the show to talk to founders of of products, CPG, um, of of spice companies, you know, of, of beverages. So many cool founders. So I thought it would be cool following our great conversation with Emily Sunberg, where we talk about products for you and I to kind of break down some new products that we discovered this year. Now the ground rules are this: these don't necessarily have to be products that came out in the year twenty twenty three. But they're products that we discovered personally. How do you feel about that? I'm into it. Let's do it. Let's do it. So you can you can start. How about you, you go first? Well, I interviewed Sana Javeri Kadri, who does Diaspora Co. on the podcast earlier this year, and she turned me on to their pumpkin spice mix. Oh yeah. I honestly have not to be a contrarian, but I didn't really love pumpkin spice that much before. Maybe because I just don't like flavoring in my coffee. So the pumpkin spice latte to me was not really in my wheelhouse. But it turns out having really good pumpkin spice mix at home to cook with oh, has yeah. been really fun. And I've been like cooking with it a lot. Been playing around with it. Are you, what, what are you like leaning towards? Is it sweet or savory? 
it's it's this kind of gently sweet spice mix. I'll run you through the, the spices that are in it. It has cinnamon, ginger, mace, nutmeg, green cardamom, allspice, clove, and white pepper. Wow. So I've been putting some into oatmeal and yogurt in the mornings, um, but also like you know, that's not too sweet of a spice mix. So I recently was roasting some squash and I just kind of sprinkled that over it before it went into the oven. And it was very festive and, and delicious. Oh my gosh. I feel pumpkin spice gets maligned in every which way in food media and food writing. And it's nice to know that it's been reclaimed in a way. Yeah, I'm definitely reclaiming it. And I think it speaks to the fact that when you have like really great quality ingredients in something, like yep. it's gonna shine. Very, very cool. What's your first thing? My first thing is a popcorn that I found originally at Pop-Up Grocer. And um, I bought the bag. Um, it's Confusion Snacks. And uh, I ended up just absolutely loving it. I ordered it three different times. And I got to meet the founder, Adit Patel, and he was on the show uh, earlier this year. And I got to tell you, this is like the popcorn of my dreams. My favorite flavor that he offers is mint chot. But he also has a black truffle masala as well that I love. And you know what? It's just some of the best popcorn around. I love it. Have you tried it yet? I have not, but you've mentioned it before. And I love popcorn. So I think I might have to go like downtown to pop up grocer after this Check to see if out. they have any. You can do it downtown. He also is in Erewhon. If you have an Erewhon in your in your hood and on the West Coast in California, but um, just check it out. Confusion Snacks. It's a great product. I love it so much. What's your next one? My next one is from a brand called Kabi Foods. That is like a Japanese pantry brand. Sure. And they have this soy sauce that they call umami dashi soy sauce that oh, has oh. bonito in the soy sauce. And it's so delicious. And I especially like using it if I'm making like a quick broth or yeah. like noodle dressing even. I think it gives you a really good base layer of flavor that's really easy to kind of like punch up from there. Oh my God. I So let me ask you, is there like definitely, is there like a go-to recipe that you make with it? If I'm poaching shrimp in something, like I'll just add a couple shakes of it to that to kind of imbue the shrimp with that flavor. Or like most of the time, if I'm just kind of like sauteing off some ginger and garlic and then I want to add water and do like a tofu kimchi soup, I'll yeah. just add a couple shakes of that. It's very potent. And yeah. I think um, it just like, sets you up in such a good place because it's like a little sweet, very like salty and funky and umami forward. I love that. Where did you find it? Like I'd like to get in the sense of like where, where do you discover these new products? Well, this one I was lucky because uh, Sanai Lamon, who I interviewed on the podcast, who's a cookbook author and novelist, is friends with the woman who founded the brand. And so she actually oh, cool. gave me a bottle and was like, hey, my friend is starting this Japanese pantry brand. I think you would like it. And then I've bought it on my own through their website because so I cool. ran through that bottle. I love that. Yeah. What's your next thing? No surprise to anyone who has looked inside my fridge or has listened to the show. But number two for me is definitely Olipop. Mm -hmm. Olipop, I, I am extremely hive and addicted. It is incredibly satisfying to me. Uh, and I had Ben Goodwin on the show, the founder and the kind of the chief formula guy. And, you know, I've been all over the spectrum with flavors. I, I've done his Dr. Goodwin, which is a Dr. Pepper. Um, there's a great cola. I have a, a whole case of ginger ale. And what Olipop is, is it's probiotic soda. It's good for the, the your digestive health. But also, I just like the way that the sweetness is balanced. Um, it has a really nice carbonation level. And to me, it's just better than other sodas. I just really enjoy it separately from the health benefits. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a huge soda drinker, yeah. but it's hard to not have tried Olipop by this point. They're kind of everywhere. Yeah. And I think it's cool that like a brand has been able to break into that case because, you know, I wrote about this on Taste about like all the new beverage yep. brands, but it's a really competitive market and there's some huge names there. Yep. 
Yep. And and this was one, there's like a lot of copycats for Olipop. And this is my choice. And I, I agree, it's a really crowded market. We have a lot of choices. But just check it out, man. I just totally got to gotta suggest Olipop. What's your last it. one? My last one is not a new brand, but it's something that has been new to me this year, which is Taiwanese soy paste. Have you tried oh, that before? No. Maybe. Describe it. It's very like thick and caramely in color, and you can almost like dab it onto a rice bowl or eggs or something like that. I think the biggest brand for it is Kimlon, and yeah. I just i have been really into using it on everything. I mean, it sounds like it needs to be a staple in my pantry right now. Yeah, I was um like house sitting for a friend who had it in their pantry and I had never had it until that point. And then I was just making breakfast and yeah, now I now I'm like eating it all the time. Do you have a third product to share? I out? do. And I have to call out somebody who I've I've connected with online and but I, I, I found him through his baked goods. It's Lex Evans Lexington Bakes uh brownies. Uh, they're fucking amazing. They're like really a fudgy re- brownie. There are many different types. Um, I think he has maybe five or six versions, but um, I like the Fleur de Sol and the chocolate chip number five. And it, it's a cool story. And I'm hoping to have Lex on the show eventually. He's a brand designer and a self-taught pastry chef. And he sells these $10 brownies. They're they're like legitimately a splurge. I mean, they're they're no joke, but you can you can heat them up in the oven. You can microwave them, or you can eat them cold. They're sold cold in the cooler section, and man, they are really really good. They they really hit all the elements in a brownie that I like, which is obviously chocolatey chocolatey chunks that like 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 texture in it. But there's definitely like a really nice break. It like breaks in a cool way. It like the when you break the brownie. It's like satisfying because you know it's solid. When you break it, it's like, whoa. I mean, I really, I have to share share them, to be honest. I don't eat the full one. And you get them in the grocery store? You know, Erewhon sells it, uh, Pop-Up Grocer. Um, I've also seen them. I bought uh, brownies at Foxtrot. And I'm going to say that my, my, my guy is probably going to be in Whole Foods at some point. I'm not sure if it's in all the Whole Foods, but I'm sure he will be in all Whole Foods. Well, I love a brownie, so I'll have to keep an eye out. It's such a good brownie, and and he's just a, a lovely guy. I gotten to know him on on, uh, on social a little bit and read some of his media. And, you know, Lex Evan, and it's Lex Lexington Bakes is the brand. It's, it's really good stuff. I'll keep an eye out. Thanks for the rundown. This is Taste is hosted by Eliza Abarbanel and me, Matt Rodbar. The show is produced by Shalia Harris and Pat Stango and edited by Clayton Gumbert. Theme music by Steve Rydell. Visit Taste online at tastecooking.com and make sure to subscribe to our newsletter for updates on all cool things that are happening. 